kind of student of the word of God. The Bible says study to show yourself approved, right, unto God. And so it's very important that we don't get stuck in that rut of having traditional belief that's not biblical. And then when it's brought to light that it's tradition and not biblical, you get frustrated and walk away. I leave myself open at all times to say whatever I know, if you think you know differently, let's discuss it. Let's discuss it. You know, we're not going to argue. We're not going to fuss about it. But if what I'm teaching is different from what you have understood, let's discuss it. And we'll look through the scriptures and see what it says. And hopefully when we're done, we can be grown-ups enough and mature enough to say what you're saying is right or what I'm saying is right. But we don't want to walk away emotionally. Well, I just don't see that. You know, it's, it's just like... Um, what the Bible says in First um, Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, when it says, Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on this world, and received up in glory. If I show you that, you say, I just don't understand. I'm going to say, well, we'll just agree to stop the conversation, um, even though we disagree, because it's clear there it says God was manifest in flesh. I don't know what else to tell you. Right. If the Bible says God was manifest in flesh, what manifests something that you can't see? What else can manifest? Because if it, if it, it doesn't need to manifest if it's already manifested. So if God is manifested, it means God was not was not seen prior. That's why the Bible says no man had seen God. God, the spirit was not was not seen. And so if God is now manifest in the flesh, then we have to stop and say, OK, how is that possible? And we go on and read that scripture. And so if that's something that we can't agree on, then we just have to stop there to disagree to to agree to stop. But disagree that we don't agree because God was manifest in the flesh. But I'm just using that as, as an example to say when we get into the word of God, if you don't agree or I don't agree, then let's sit down and talk about it just with the Bible, just with the Bible. And we'll get into it. So we want to be biblically sound Christians. Jump to the next chapter. Please do not think that I am against, this is Stan Gleason saying this, I am against any effort employed to reach one person with the gospel. We fully understand and agree with Paul, 1 Corinthians 9.22, and we're going to read that tonight and break it down, that by whatever means necessary, we must reach everyone. We can with the saving message of Jesus Christ. I would suggest, however, that when the church leaders speak about soul winning, 90% of the congregation checks out for one of four reasons. So what Brother Gleason is saying, which I've experienced over the years, because all my life in church, um, whatever I do, Brother D, I always, either they say it out loud or they say it under their breath, that's just him. I don't know why people do that to me, and that frustrates me. That's just him. He just knows how to do that. But everybody's not built that way. And so for years, I'm in church and I hear that. But I understand what it is now today. So I used to get frustrated when I used to hear that. But what I, I, I understand it now, especially in reading this book, when people hear soul winning, it kind of makes you feel like you have to stop being who you are and become someone else. 
As a matter of fact, I will tell you this. Most people aren't in church today because what they think of when they think of church is they can no longer live the way they like living for all the years they have existed. So the reason why a lot of people don't want to come to church or the reason why they come sparingly or the reason why, you know, church is just not their thing is because church will force you to be someone else that you're not. I don't mean literally that you're not. I mean, become who you're supposed to be. And so a lot of people have sidestepped church for that reason. As a matter of fact, I believe a lot of people who say I'm agnostic or whatever they say, you know, is, is a, is, I don't believe in God, whatever you want to call that atheist. I believe that's their way of saying, I don't want to believe because if I believe it's going to force me to have to now change. So let me just take the easy way out and says, I don't believe that stuff. That's what they do. Because if you ever come to the place to agree that God is real and he's true, guess what? You realize, look at your life. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to have to make a lot of changes here. So the best way to not make changes, he doesn't exist. And then make up your own doctrine. So if he does exist, this is how I'm going to live. And that's what we struggle with. So, so he says one of four things that, um, that, that cause people to shut down when they hear soul winning. Number one, they don't do it. Number two, they don't relate to it. Number three, it doesn't fit their personality or gifting. Number four, they believe that only a few highly gifted people are called by God. Some people says they here he says they don't do it, meaning that there's a lot of people that comes to church and we come to church for answers. We come to church for answers. And so we come focused on getting answers to help us. And that's okay, and that's fine. However, at some point, we have to transition because, guess what? We started getting help. We started understanding. We started learning. We started growing. So as that begins to happen, we have to transition from coming in as I need help to now that I've been helped, I need to help someone else. We in the secular world, sure, we always hear about giving back. That's the secular world. I'm getting frustrated always hearing these little cliches and, 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 and reading about different things in our world that, again, they took from my book. And they're utilizing it. And we think they're doing something amazing and fantastic when all they're doing is doing what God told us, his people, to do. That's all they're doing. Pay it forward. Giving back. You know? Treat people as you would want to be treated. I'm listening to all this stuff. I'm like, God, what are we going to do about this? And so some people, you know, when they hear soul, when they said, I don't do that. And so, you know, it, it, they just shut down. And I've watched it because most of my life in church, whenever I preached, I did preach about reaching lost people. That was mostly what I preached about, reaching lost people. And so when I talk about it, I can see some people cringe. Here he go again. So when we hear about it, we kind of feel like, well, that's not my thing. And so we shut down. So let's look at 1 Corinthians. You can pull that up on your phone, your Bible or something. 
1 Corinthians. You can read it in the version that you have, but I got to read it in the TLB version just because it is amazing how it sounds in the TLB version. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I'm going to start in verse 19. Did I do it? You know what? Okay. Yeah, I did. Well, actually, I'll start in verse 15. No. I didn't do that. Okay. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. All right. Let's do 1 Corinthians. I got my Bible here. Chapter 9. We'll start in verse 19. It says here in verse 19, For though I be free from all men, this is Paul talking, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I may gain the more. Verse 20 says, And unto the Jews, I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. Verse 22, to the weak... Became I weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things, I, I, I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. This scripture is powerful. The Apostle Paul is trying to let us know what it takes to be a disciple maker. And so Paul have some, his writing is just outstanding. And so what he's saying is if I'm going to reach people, I have to accept people. Back to that old thing again. You can never be an effective Disciple maker, if you're just going to be you and stay you and this is how you are and I just don't do that kind of stuff and I'm just not like that. Get your feelings hurt real easy. To be a leader, to be a disciple maker, you're going to have to really know how to handle yourself when your feelings get hurt. It's probably one of the biggest challenges you will have in being a disciple maker and a leader is how do you respond when you get your feelings hurt? Because if you respond aggressively, if you respond um, demonstratively, if you respond where it's clearly seen, um, you're not going to make a good leader you're not going to be an effective disciple maker. 
because just like you respond, the other person will respond. And so they might have control better than you and not let you know how they're responding, but they walk away saying, never share anything with you again. They walked away cool. Never share anything away because you jumped down my throat. Never share anything with you again. Right? So when you respond, the other person responds too. And even when maybe you didn't say anything, but you got this facial expression. And they read that facial expression like, okay. You're really saying, "Ah, I don't want to hear that. Whatever the expression is. People see that too. And so this is why disciple making and leadership becomes very important, but it's also very difficult. It's not as simple as sometimes we may think it is because you have to learn how to deal with people when they say things that might affect you, disappoint you, um, insult you. How do you handle that? And how you handle that will determine how far you're going to go in Christ. Oh, yeah, that's very important. You got to let stuff just. Whoosh. Quiet on me. For though I am free with respect to all, I have made myself a servant to all so that I might save more of them, becoming a servant to his audience so that he might save some of them. Paul's goal were to glorify God and to bring people to Christ. He stayed free of any philosophical position or material entanglement that might sidetrack him while he strictly disciplined himself to carry out his goals. Let me give you an example. Sometimes, again, as a disciple maker, as a leader, you have your perspective. Let, Let me give you a good insight. Pastoring people, I can easily try to press my views on all of you, my views. But I can even go as far as to say I can even press the views of Scripture on you. But here is my position on it. I I don't press it on you and give you a hard time because I believe people are still growing in Christ. And people are maturing. I rest most of what I do on the preaching of the word of God. And what I say is, as the word of God is affecting and impacting your life as it's being preached, you will make the change necessary as you mature in Christ. So if I've been preaching something for a long time and you're still not changing, all I say in my mind is, something is not computing. They're not getting there yet. They're not much. And I leave it alone. I don't go to people a lot of times and tell them you should or you shouldn't. Because in my estimation, you're just still growing and you're just not at the point to know to do that or to do that. And so instead of me coming to you and says, sis, bro, you know, I've been teaching this for this long period of time and you should be. I don't do that. I don't press my views. I don't press the views of the Bible. I I depend on I'm going to teach and preach the word of God clearly that if you don't do it, it's because you're saying, I don't want to do it. 
And if you say, I don't want to do it, I'm not going to tell you to do it. Why? God is love. And God don't go against our will. He will do everything he can to make sure we understand and to get our attention and to make us really see it for how we need to see it. But he will not put your arms behind you and say, if you don't do it, you better do it. It's not how God does things. So I can't make you do anything. I can teach it to you. The Holy Spirit can convict your heart. It's still up to you whether you're going to do it or not do it. And I'm confident that the Word of God and the Holy Spirit can do a better work than me any day. So I don't need to make you do anything. I don't need to tell you better. I don't need to manipulate you. The Word of God and the Holy Spirit is supposed to take care of the business. And so when you're trying to make disciple or you're leading people, keep your thoughts to yourself. Watch how you deal with people. Uh, don't try to impress them with, with, with what you know or your stuff. It's about the people. It's not about you when you become a disciple maker. So you're existing and doing things not for you. You're giving back. How can you give back and make it about you? When you're giving back, you're making about the people you're giving back to. We want to give back and say, hey, look at me giving back. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you a secret. If you are trying to make disciple and you try to get the attention, you getting attention will be your reward from God. If you're trying to help someone and you need for all of us to know you are doing that, your reward will be, we will acknowledge, wow, you're doing a great job helping that person. That will be your reward. You will not be blessed by God. That's how God operates. You will have whatever reward you want. And if your reward is, I want to please God. And I don't care who knows it, who sees it, or who. It doesn't matter if I get recognized. My desire is to make sure I'm pleasing God. And if nobody ever knows, that's fine with me. Then God will bless you outwardly, publicly for everybody to see. So Paul is saying... Listen, man, I am not going to come with my philosophical thinking and demonstration of knowledge to let you know how bright I am. I'm here to become like one of you so I can really reach you. Paul had a willingness to accommodate and adjust to different settings. That's important right there. Oh, this is all I do. I don't do that. He adjusts the different settings. When with the Jews, he ate kosher food. When with the Gentiles, he ate regular food. In Philippi, he accepted support. In other places, he did not. He wanted people of all cultures and background to listen to the gospel. Whenever missionaries go to another culture, they usually consciously embrace and adapt to every element in that culture that doesn't hinder the gospel or violate biblical ethics. When a missionary decides, I am going to go to 
Nigeria to reach people. That family, that missionary have to go there and be willing to say, I'm going to embrace the food they eat. I am going to go there and learn the language. I am going to go there and enjoy the customs and not, you can't go and do it and be like, you know, making faces like you're going through. Oh, I can't believe I'm eating this. Oh, I can't believe I'm wearing it. That doesn't work. When you go and embrace the culture, you got to act like that's my culture from the day I was born. That's what Paul is talking about. If you're going to minister to people to reach them, you have to be willing to become like them. And if you don't like their culture and you don't like how this is done and how that's done, uh, you won't be able to really help people. I don't like that. I don't, I don't do that. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe they're doing that. They eat fish with their head on it. If you don't eat fish with a head on it and you're trying to reach somebody that eat fish with a head on it, you better not let them know it. <laughs> We're talking about being a disciple maker. This is what Paul was trying to tell us about becoming, making himself, you know, be like all different people so he can reach some of them. That's what he's talking about. Huh. Paul never compromised the doctrine of scriptures, never changed God's word in order to make it more palatable to uh, people in any given place. He never went against, against God's law or his own conscience in matters that did not violate any principle of God's word. However, Paul was willing to become like the audience in order to save them to Christ. Three groups are mentioned in his writing, in those verses, Jews, Gentiles. When he says people that are not under the law, he was talking about Gentiles and those with weak consciences. By saying to the Jews, I become like a Jew, Paul was stating that when necessary, he conforms his life to the practices of those under the law, the Jews. And so that's what he's saying. As Paul conformed himself to the Jews' lifestyle, he also conformed to those not having the law, referring to the Gentiles. Paul met them on their own turf, becoming like one not having the law, meaning a Gentile. This did not mean Paul had thrown aside all restraints and he was living like a pagan in hope of winning the pagan to Christ. As he explained, he always remembered that he was not free from God's law, but was under Christ's law. Paul lived according to God's law and his conscience, but he did not put undue constraints on his Gentile audience or any audience. So Paul didn't put any constraints on his audience. Listen, I know that there's a lot of churches. Um, I know some strong churches that, you know, they're strict about certain things. And believe me, in this church, there are certain things that I still know we need to do, but you don't see me running to you telling you to do it. 
If you're not if you're not listening to the teaching and you're not saying, okay, God is working in me, then I just leave it right where it is. On, uh, just let the spirit work on you. Let the word of God work in your heart. And when it's time, you'll say it. Remember, I told you I never forgot the day when I was in church and I said to um, the, the head usher and I said to the person that was leading the outreach team, I said, I want to be an usher. I want to lead the outreach team, not lead the outreach team, but be a part of the outreach team. And they said to me, um, you don't have the Holy Spirit right now. And so when you receive the Holy Spirit, then you can come and be a part of those two teams. I said, OK, no problem. Now, that left me to go and ponder, how badly do I want to be a part of the usher ministry and be a part of the outreach? That was up to me. Now, I could get mad all I want and say, I can't believe this church required this and required that. Why they want to, I just want to serve. I could have done that. But when God puts something in your heart to do, don't you let anybody get in the way. And understand this. God already know what I am going to say when you come to me about anything. He already knows. So why is he allowing you to come to me about something when he already knows what I'm going to say? Why, why didn't he just stop you to spare your feelings? Why didn't he just say, you're getting ready to go talk to the pastor about this and he's going to say this, so just don't go. Just leave it alone. I want you to be this. I want you to serve in this capacity, but just don't go. No, he knows what I'm going to say. But what he's saying to you is, will you let anything get in the way of you doing what I want you to do? That's what he's saying. The weak refers to those with a weak conscience. The weak were already believers But they needed to grow into a deeper knowledge of Christ and a deeper understanding of their freedom in Christ. Paul did this delicately, becoming as they were in order to gain their listening ear. So look at this. Here is a great example of Paul working the situation to reach some people. Paul says to the weak, I became as weak. I had to stop when I read that. I said, hold on, hold on, Paul, hold on. Where did you ever display weakness in Scripture? You, you're not weak. You're the man. You're Apostle Paul. Then I thought about this Scripture, Romans chapter 7. This is what I have in a TLB version. Romans chapter 7, verse 15. Here is Paul. I can picture this now. I can picture Paul talking to someone that's weak. And when he says weak, he means weak in conscience, meaning you know what you're supposed to do in God. You want to do it, but you just don't have the stick to it this and, and, and the strength to say, I am going to hold on and keep doing right. You know, you, you kind of go up and down. So Paul says in Romans chapter 7, verse 15, TLB versions, TLB version. I don't understand myself at all. For I really want to do what is right. This is Paul talking. But I can't. I do what I don't want to, I do what I don't want to do what I hate to do. I know perfectly well that I am doing, what, what I am doing is wrong and my bad conscience proves that I agree with these laws I am breaking. 
but I can't help myself because I am no longer doing it. It is sin inside me that is stronger than I than I am that makes me do these evil things. Verse 18. I know I am rotten through and through so far as my old sinful nature is concerned. No matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. When I want to do good, I don't. And when I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway. Now, if I am doing what I don't want to, it is plain where the trouble is. Sin still has me in its evil grasp. It seems to be a fact of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love to do God's will so far as my new nature is concerned. But there is something else deep within me, in my lower nature, that is war with my mind and wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. In my mind, I want to be God's willing servant, but instead I find myself still enslaved to sin. So you see how it is. My new life tells me to do right, but the old nature that is still inside me loves to sin. Oh, what a terrible predicament I am in. Who will free me from my slavery to this deadly lower nature? Thank God it has been done by Jesus Christ, our Lord. He has set me free. So I can see Paul, what Paul is doing when he gets to someone that's weak, say, listen, I know you look at me as the apostle Paul, but even I, at times, when I'm trying to do right, I do wrong. I'm trying my best to live according to the word of God, and I find myself doing something opposite of that. That's Paul saying, to the weak, I become as weak. He's showing them, as great as you think I am, I still struggle too. He closed, he chose to become all things to all people. This is Paul. The Jews, the Gentiles, and those with weakness, with weak conscience, conscious, consciousness. In order to save some, Paul never compromised the gospel, truth, God's law, or his own conscience. In other matters, however, Paul was willing to go to great lengths to meet people where they were. He had one focus. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessing. Paul's writing here in 1 Corinthians 9 reveals several basic principles for effective disciple making. Find common ground with others. Avoid a know-it-all attitude. Make others feel accepted. Be sensitive to others' needs and concern. And look for opportunities to tell about Christ. These principles are just as valid today as they were then. Which of these were used by those who brought you to Christ? Which ones need more conscious attention in your own effects to introduce your friends, neighbors, and co-workers to Christ? So, 
I remember I was called a phony, Brother D. I remember being called a phony in church. You know why I was called a phony? Because I was trying to win people to the Lord. Sorry, that was my old terminology. Because I was trying to make disciples of people. I was called a phony. Because what I understood a long time ago, if I show all of my emotions about what I feel, I will alienate people. If I respond the way I feel like responding when stuff happens, I will alienate people. And so I, 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 I live long enough in Christ and realize that if I don't pray and trust God and fast and get my life you know, shaped and molded and transformed by the power of God, I'm going to always be offended. I'm going to always show how I feel, which is going to offend people, and I will never really be able to successfully be a disciple maker. So when somebody treats you unfairly and you go around and say, I can't believe, as good as I was to Tom, he went around talking about me. Now, I might be hurt and might feel like, why could Tom go around and talk about me like that? But the moment I begin to share that with her about what Tom has done to me, it will get back to Tom, which means Tom will never trust me to be a help to him spiritually. Also, too, she's going to say, if he comes and talks to me about Tom, when he gets upset with me, he's going to talk to me. Ab- Come on, somebody. Come on. Come on. And you can never effectively make disciples because you got to express who you are. Because you can't take a blow and act like you never took the blow. This is what disciple making is about. Every time you get frustrated, what do you do? Do you criticize, uh, you know, someone to somebody? Yeah, don't worry about them. They're just this and they're just that. You can't make disciples like that. Making disciples, you're going to cry alone. Making disciples, you're going to fast a lot. Making disciples, you're going to be in dismay sometime. But all of it, just do it by yourself. God will help you with what you need to keep on going. Because we're supposed to be making disciples. Now, I'm not saying don't be honest. What I'm saying is, if your response and your action can offend people, you got to figure out a way to put it in check. So that's all I'm saying. I'm not telling you to be, be a liar and, and not be true to who you are because God wants to use you for who you are, but you can't let your way of being affect people in how they respond to you and see you because if it, they do, then you can't make a disciple of them. And what they say, six degrees of separation. That's what they say. That, that everybody you know, there are only six people that, or there is six people somewhere that you know that can connect you to them. So everybody's connected by six people. So you might think that sharing is no big deal right now because I was just sharing, but there's six people that sharing knows, and one of those six or all six of them know you. And so all of a sudden now, now your name, oh, oh yeah, I don't talk to them. <laughs> so now you got a whole bunch of people that kind of labeled you and you can't make disciples of them. So to make disciples, Paul says, I have to, you know, become, you know, as one who would, will become like 
whoever I'm trying to win. Now y'all can laugh at me because I'm African, I'm Jewish, I'm Italian. Now you, now you can laugh at me because you know now by me teaching this why I'm the way that I am. It didn't happen overnight, but I just dedicated and consecrated my life to Christ that eventually that's what came out of me. So what my life tried and what I try to model all the time is what will Christ do? How would Christ respond? How would Christ address the situation? And that's what I'm after. I want to be like Jesus. And if we're going to be disciple makers, we have to be like Jesus. He was the greatest that ever did it. And he taught 12 men how to do it, and they carried along. And so our our journey is to be like Jesus. This is why we're Christ-centered, because we're trying to be like Jesus. And the only way we're going to effectively be Christians and be successful at it is to be like Jesus. That's it. We want to be successful at doing this, but we don't want to be like Jesus. Uh Uh-huh. That's exactly right. We want to do it, but we don't want to be like Jesus. We saying, yeah, you know, I want the power of God to work through me. Yeah, I want the power of God to work through me, but I'm not praying for no long time. Yeah, I want the power of God to work through me, but they treat me wrong. I'm just going to let them know how they treated me. <laughs> but I want to be like Jesus. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Um... Any questions? All right, let me talk to you just just for a few minutes, and we'll be done. Disciple making versus soul winning. Let, let me tell you what the practice was back in the day. You bring somebody to church. They repent of their sins. They get baptized in Jesus' name. They get filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. You go around and you say, I want a soul to the Lord. That's how we operated back in the day for those that didn't didn't understand or or even even know. know We used to walk around soul. Mm -hmm. It's my soul right there. Oh, I remember those conversations. It's my soul. For those those of you that don't know about it, good for you. But that's how Christians used to be. And they still do. Some of them still do today. That's my soul. And so, oh, oh, guess what? You that night, yeah. The sister that I invited, she she spoke in tongues. She had the Holy Ghost. And you go home that night feeling good. And after that, that sister have questions. That sister want to know why we run around in church. That sister want to know a whole lot of stuff. And she have nobody to help her. She don't want to go to the pastor because she think the pastor is super busy. And you, she can never find you. You always got something to do. And so that poor sister is born, but she never got developed. And so we liken that in the natural to you having a baby and the baby gets born at the hospital and the baby take its breath. They cut the umbilical cord, and now you said, okay, baby, you'll be all right. I'm going home. That's what that was when we were doing that, and we don't even realize that's what we were doing. We were leaving our babies at the hospital. Somebody will take care of them. 
It'll get figured out. We left our babies at the hospital. But I want a soul, which you would say, I gave birth. Remember, I was pregnant and I gave birth with a baby. I don't know, girl. That's what we were doing. And that's not, if that's not proper in the, in the natural, how is that proper in the spiritual? So in the spiritual, when we bring somebody to church, we befriended them and we've been working on them. We've been inviting them. And finally they said, I'm coming to church with you this Sunday. Oh, man, come on. I'll, I'll pick you up. Or do you want to drive in or you want me to come and pick you up? Ah, I'll drive in. And all Sunday morning, you get up early Sunday morning and, man, you put on your clothes different that Sunday morning. And so you get to church early, early than normal, because you don't want them getting there before you. And you kind of just kind of in church, even if you're praying, looking at the door. Oh, Lord, I love you. Lord, you're the best. Thank you for getting my friend. You just keep on looking at the door. And as soon as they come through the door, you're a big smile. You go meet them. Girl, good to see you. And the person repent, repent of their sins. They get baptized in Jesus' name. God filled them with his spirit. They talked in tongues. And now, boom, they're doing well. That just means they just became, became born again. They just got their birth certificate. That's it. If you don't work with them, them and disciple them, they will be under under development. And so, just like we nurture and take care of our children till they become grown, mature enough to handle themselves, that's what we're supposed to do spiritually. This is what this is all about. This is what I've been talking about for the past few weeks. This is what this is all about. We have to give to give to give to give to give to give their life, your life, your life, your life to God. And all, all of all of you. Can because all of you have a friend who don't 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 have, don't have a, fr- a, fr- a friend in here. Okay, look look around around look around around. There's no hand no hand no hand hand hand, hand. no hand. There's no hand. If you if you put you put your hand up, I want you I want you up, up. I want you I want you to, re- to repent 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 and ask, and, ask, and ask God to forgive you forgive you for your for your for your for your for your for your sins 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 sins. Everyone in here have someone that, one that they can consider a consider a consider a they that they can 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 There's a statistic that says in the same book, if someone give their life to Christ, repent, get baptized, give the gift of the, gift of the Holy Spirit, and disciple them, disciple them, and, that, and that's just the way they live, 15, 15, of all the people that only will do that, 15, will make it through to the end. 15%. So if 100 people get save, as we like to say, give your life to Christ, are born again. A hundred people. Only 15 of them may last. 85 will not, for sure. Now, flip it. And if 
we reach 100 people and disciple them, 78% will make it and only 22% may not make it. That's big. Christ called us to be disciple makers, not soul winners. Christ called us to not just tell people they need to get baptized or they need to repent of their sins. He called us, called us to make disciples. There's a statistic again in this book that says with the amount of people we have in the world today that are Christians, I forgot what that number is. But if every Christian that exists in this world today will disciple one person, we will reach our world in nine years. Everybody in the entire world would be discipled in nine years if every Christian were to make one disciple. Tell me God is not God. When he say the things that he says, we just look at them surfacely. We just look at them like it's no big deal and, you know, whatever we glean from it, we, okay, we do it. But we have no idea the depth of what God is really saying to us when he says, go make disciples. We had no idea what he was saying. We would have been reached the world if we were making disciples. But because we've been doing the soul winning thing, we can't reach the world. This is why we got so many backsliders. Because we just think all they need to do is come to church, repent, get baptized, get the Holy Ghost, and they're good. No, no, they need to be nurtured. They need to be discipled. And we have to understand those terminologies and really become that kind of Christian individual to make an impact in people's life. You don't see the great thing about discipleship. I think it's, I think discipleship is less strenuous and I think it's 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 better, it's easier than everything we used to do. Because in, in Pentecost, people come up with programs, you know, let's do a block party. They come up with all these different techniques to try to reach people. And guess what? When you reach all those people and everybody through hype and everybody through emotions decide to give your life to God, it don't last. But if you just, one person, not two, not three, one person... For one whole year, just have one friend that's walking with you. I think that's pretty easy. Hey, what you doing next week? How about we hang out a blah, blah, one person. If we would do it Jesus way, we'll be more effective. But if we keep doing it our way, we're going to be challenged. And finally, I'm going to say, God is so good that he covers everything. If we do it his way, we will stay strong in Christ. If we do it our way, we become weak today, strong tomorrow, weak the next day, strong the next day, and we just be a roller coaster and we complain about everything that challenges us because we're not doing what Christ is. See, it still comes back to, are you doing what he says? Oh, you pay your tithes. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, you come to every church. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, you pray. Oh, that's great. Oh, I help out at the church. That's, that's fantastic. But God says, you need to make disciples. And so that one thing that you omit to do, you're doing everything. Remember the rich young ruler? Remember him? He did everything from his youth. He was the man. And Jesus said, go sell all that you got. Give it to the poor. Come with me. Oh, Lord, you ask a hard thing. Because what he was telling him is, go make disciples. 
Because making disciple is what will be your, supposed to be your lifestyle. It's how you're supposed to live your life every day. And when you live your life like that every single day, you don't have to worry about some of the challenges that you normally worry about. There's nothing like, you know, one of the things that I've enjoyed in God, a lot of things, but one of the things that, I don't know if it's really an enjoyment, but I should say something that I know for sure is this. There is nothing like, Brother D, when I know I've been faithful to God, when I know I'm doing what God said I need to do, when I know that I'm in it to win it, when it comes down to making disciples and stuff go wrong in my life, I, I laugh at it. Laugh. I don't care what goes wrong in my life when I'm walking dead smack in the middle of God's will, making disciples and doing it. Because why? I know God has it all. I know for sure it's all good when I'm doing what he said to do. Now, if I feel like I was slacking off and something happened, oh, Lord. I'm going to find me a place to pray. Oh, Lord, help me. I know I wasn't always right on track the way I need to be, Lord, but, but will you be merciful? And will you, will, you, will you, God, have your way in my life? And will you give me direction in the things that are coming after me, Lord? Will you, will you get between me and, 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 and my adversary? Will you help me, Lord? That's the kind of prayers I start praying. If I feel like I wasn't on, on my game like I need to be. But if I was on my game... And something coming, I just smile. <laughs> really, you can't do nothing to me because I'm walking in the will of God. And I'm doing what God wants me to do, so I'm not worried about it. You see what happened? Go make disciples and see if that's not the way you feel and the way you think. Because you know God is on your side and working with you because you're doing the things that you need to do for what God called you to do. Any questions? We're good. God call us to make disciples, not to be soul winners. There's a scripture that they use in Proverbs. I can't remember what the scripture is. And if you all are reading your book, you probably know what I'm talking about. But in Proverbs, the Bible says, he that winneth a soul is wise. First of all, Jesus didn't say it. Second of all, it's in Proverbs. So it wasn't talking about the um, disciple making. And third of all, when it says he that winneth a soul is wise, what it really was saying that he who maketh friends have wisdom. So it takes a little wisdom to have friends. But it wasn't talking about who he who disciple people is um, whatever it was saying. So it's important that we understand that that scripture is in Proverbs. We don't need to take it out of context. We just need to understand that Jesus said, go make disciples. And because that's what he says. That's what we need to do. That's what will be the successful method. And that's what, that's what will keep us going and not cause us a whole lot of heartaches. Any questions? Disciple making as opposed to soul winning. Father, we love you. We thank